Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Is that right? Amen. All right, let's say that again like we really mean it. Amen. God bless you. We're going to ask if you would join us in our call to worship, followed by our hymn, and then, of course, we will turn the rest over to our ladies, the ladies, the mothers. So we're going to ask if you would please stand. And may we read the call to worship together. The Lord is the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and it will therein. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? Amen. God bless you. We're going to ask if you would, and you'll see the words on the screen. We're going to ask that we all sing together and sing like you really mean what you're saying. Revive, revive us again. Let's sing together. Stay right there. Say it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Sound pretty good to me. This time now, I'm just happy to turn our further whatever over to our. Mothers, they are coming in their own way. Mothers. Good evening, everybody. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We'll be reading from Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 1 through 6. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commandments in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. 
Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God word for God people. Good evening. Our Father, who is judge in heaven, we come this evening saying thank you for one more night, Master. We thank you for the blessing that you have already restored upon us. We ask the blessing upon the evangelist tonight, the blessing upon our pastor of this flock. Ask you to go with each one of us, stand by and guide us, and lead us the way you would have us to go, Master, because it's all about you, it's not about us. In the name of Jesus, I pray for Christ's sake, amen. 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 God bless you, you may. Let's give our mothers a good round of applause for them. We thank God for them so very much. They are just so in place and we thank God again for them. This time now we're going to move on in the service and we're going to ask the choir if they would come and share with us their talent. Choir, won't you come?
Thank you, Jesus. Anybody got a thank you in your heart tonight? Anybody got a thank you in your spirit tonight? Anybody just want to tell the Lord, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing, the awesome God that you are. What an awesome God he is. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we're glad in it. Good to see each of you, my father's children. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Thank God for this fellowship choir ministering to us on this evening. Our speaker is here. Amen. We're going to introduce him to you a little bit later, but we thank God that the man of God is here and we're ready to hear a word from the Lord. But before we do so, we're going to ask that you prepare now your gifts, your offerings as we prepare to give now in this our offertory period. Be reminded that we've not asked you for any set amount. We just want you to give as God has so blessed you to give. Amen. And so you do what the Lord has laid up on your heart. Our ushers are coming now. The fellowship is coming back uh, to give us some giving music. Amen. 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 Y'all get it out of them. God bless you. <laughs>
bless his name. Come on, stand to your feet. My God, my God. so much to be grateful for and Lord and thankful that you allowed us to be in your house one more time we thank you to Heavenly Father for the opportunity and the privilege of this ministry of giving so that we can continue to be blessed we thank you for creating it for us and Lord we ask that you bless all that gave bless all that had their desire to give continue to bless this revival moving in a mighty way according to your will now, Lord, bless this gift. Use it for your body. Use it for your service. Yeah. The body of Christ. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Bless his name. God bless. I was looking over there at the band. I said, when your organist is on the drums, you know you got a good band. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Listen, the, the, the song said, he keeps on making a way for me. He keeps doing things, opening doors. Do, watch this. He does things that I can't do for myself. He keeps on making a way. But, but the thing we got to remember, while he does what we cannot do for ourselves, he does expect us to do what we can do. I'm going somewhere. He, he expects us to do what we can do. I, 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 need, I need to let you know and remind you, listen, uh, it's election season, y'all. Amen. Amen. In a few weeks, we got some business. We got some things that we got to do. And listen, you can pray all you want. You're going to have to vote. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. You can say he keep on making a way if you want to. You better get out and vote. Amen. Get out and vote. Go to the polls. Vote, vote, vote. And listen, listen, I told you last night, uh, we want you to, if, if, you, if you are interested in being a volunteer to uh, help to man and, and, and man the phones for the NAACP and the One Voice Office uh, for voting irregularities. We invite you to do so. There is a form here. I think Dr. Green also, Sister Green, do you have the forms? Okay, they're, they're there. Uh, this is on election day. On election day, if you have time, after you have voted, amen, after you voted, amen, if you want to volunteer and man those phones to, to take calls for any voting irregularities, we invite you to do so. And listen, let me be very clear. Shh, let me be very clear. There can be, and we anticipate that there will be some voting irregularities. Now, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, I, I, I got this just today, and I want you to see it for yourself because you say, remember, making it up. I ain't making it up. I ain't making it up. In Atlanta, in Georgia, early voting started on Monday. Early voting started on Monday, and here is... Uh, a picture of a bus. This bus was filled with senior citizens. They were headed to the polls to vote in the early voting. And guess what happened? 
On their way there, they were pulled over and told to get off the bus. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happened this week. And, and the reason the reason it happened is that they said, some, somebody said, well, that, that bus was not supposed to be transporting those, those, those people to the polls. And, and while, while, listen, here, here's the point. Here's the point. Voter suppression is real. Now, now, here's how they hid behind it. They said, well, we didn't make them not vote. Well, yeah, you didn't say they couldn't vote, but guess what? You just disrupted the process. And you made it hard for those senior citizens who are on a time scale. Because guess what? They got to get back and get their medicine and get their food and everything else. Amen. So, so, so listen, y'all. All I'm telling you is there are some people who intend for us not to vote and for our votes not to count. Amen, somebody. And I need you, if you are able, if you need, if you can, uh, man those phones, be a part of that process so that we can make sure that our votes are counting. The ushers do have them available. Only take one if you can do so. Amen. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Amen. Well, folks, it is preaching time. Somebody bless the Lord in this house. It's preaching time. It's preaching time. And there is a preacher in the house tonight. You already have his bio in front of you and you can read it for yourself. You see that he is well prepared having received degrees from Alabama A&M as well as the Beeson Divinity School, uh, Doctorate of Ministry from, uh, from Southern Baptist University, uh, so, no, no, Southern, what was it? Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he is well prepared, well prepared. And, and listen, I love not only the fact that he's well prepared, but I love his spirit. Uh, he comes from a preacher's family. His father is a pastor in Alabama. And guess what, y'all? His father is running for president of the state convention in Alabama. Amen. 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 I want you to be praying for him. Dr. Green Davidson. Uh, and that election, I believe, is in a couple of weeks. Is that right? In just a couple of weeks. And so we'll be praying uh, that the Lord's will be done in that election. Amen. Amen. But we are so delighted. He came to us uh, last year, I believe it was. And he preached for our district meeting, for the Jackson district meeting, uh, and we just had a, a brief conversation. But in that time, uh, it was clear that, that, that God wanted us to be in conversation with each other. And I'm grateful and thankful that he's consented to come and share with us for these last two nights of our, of our, our fall revival. I want you to give him a great big Mississippi and a great big Cade Chapel welcome. Our speaker for the next two nights, Reverend Dr. Marcus Davidson. God bless you. Come on, let's hear it for him, y'all. The fellowship is coming for one more selection, amen, and after that, we will hear a word from the Lord. God bless you.
with the Lord is. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise tonight for this choir that blessed us. Indeed, we are immensely blessed to be in the house of the Lord once again. We are by his grace and his mercy. I count it a signal honor to be able to share tonight with um, this dynamic pastor, teacher, in the person of Pastor Buckley. Let's give God praise for the angel of this house. Amen. Without, without question, you have um, one of God's greatest minds, and I, I don't say that I don't say that lightly. His his heart for his heart for the work of the Lord, but also his heart for the community is equally valued, and he sees that the work of the Lord, both in and out of the church context, is of paramount importance. And I think you should be thankful to God, and I'm not, not telling you anything that you do not know, but I think you should be grateful to God to have a leader that loves God enough that he does not only want you to be spiritually aware, but he wants you to be socially aware, so that's a blessing to have a leader like that. To uh, Pastor Lewis, who's here, who blessed you last night, I asked him that he leave a little preaching for me tonight, because I know if he stood up, he preached, because he is one of God's great preachers. So we thank God for his presence tonight. Uh, to Pastor Sutton, who I've been connected with over the years and the convention work, delighted for his presence. And to the other uh, preachers that share here with us and all of you, our father's children, to the leaders. Uh, and I am just grateful to be here tonight. I want to, by the grace of God, if you would engage me turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, um, probably going to back into a passage on tomorrow night, the Lord's will, but tonight I want to, I want to look at Luke chapter 5, and I want to commence the reading at verse 27, I want to read Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, reading from the New American Standard Translation of the Biblical Text, when you have it, please respond by saying Amen. Verse 27 reads, After that he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto our God. I want to recognize uh, Sister Buckley as well. Forgive me for not recognizing you early. I met her early and she was just as kind and sweet and I thank God for her presence. Let's give God praise for her tonight. Amen. So tonight I want to, want to for the next couple of nights, if, if, if it's the will of God, I want to center our focus 
thematically around discipleship. And tonight I want to talk about Jesus makes the difference in discipleship. Jesus makes the difference in discipleship. There's a book that's written entitled Transformational Leadership or Transformational Discipleship. There are three authors um, who have penned that particular text. And what they said intrigued me in the greatest way. They said that the fundamental purpose of the church is to make disciples. And if the church is not making disciples, the church has literally lost its fundamental purpose of existence. Now, if that is the case, we cannot divorce ourselves from the reality of what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, which is known as the Great Commission. He says, all power has been given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The crux of that particular matter that's found in Matthew 28 is there is one verb that's surrounded by three participles. The verb is discipling. We read it in the English to say make disciples. In the Greek, it's one word, disciple. It's in the aorist tense. It's in the active voice. It's in the imperative mood. The aorist tense, active voice, imperative mood suggests this is a right now action. It's commanded by the Lord. And the question is, how do we make disciples? Jesus says the process to making disciples is by the participles going, baptizing, and teaching. Going as you are going and as you have going, as you have gone, he says, disciple. Discipling is simply this, helping people come closer to Jesus. He says, so as you are going about your day-to-day activity, help people look and act more like me. He says, not only do you do it by going, but also by baptizing from the root word baptizo, which means to emerge into the water. He says, baptizing, that is an outward sign of an inward change that the Lord has done in the life of the believer. So he says, baptizing them. And then he gives the demarcation of saying, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He places the definite article in front of each one of those particular names to point out it's the triuneness of God. And we understand the relationship of God. So it's about helping people to come into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, which is to say, discipleship is more than just information, but it's transformation. It's more than just giving people data, but it's helping people to be developed, to be more like Jesus. He says all nations, which is not the word cosmos in the Greek, which is world, but all nations to suggest every ethnic group. And Jesus contextually says this to a Jewish group. And when he says this to a Jewish audience, He is in essence saying to them that you've got to disciple people who were not necessarily like you, people who do not necessarily believe like you, because we have the propensity to want to disciple people 
with the convenience for us. They look like us, talk like us, sound like us. But Jesus expects us to move out of our comfort zone and to go into deep waters. So when he says, he says, and then he says, I have this promise that lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm setting this up to let you know that if we are doing anything beyond discipling people as a church, we've lost our fundamental purpose. As much as we do the good things that we do in the world, as much as we do the good things that we do in the community, if we're not helping people to become more and more like Jesus each and every day, we have, we have literally veered away from what God has expected of each of us as his disciples and ultimately as the church collectively. So it is in this particular passage of scripture that Jesus calls Levi. Levi, we know him to be Matthew. We, we know him as Matthew, but Jesus calls Levi. And the Bible says in verse 27 that Levi is a tax collector. He's a tax collector, and Jesus passes by, and he speaks two words to him. He says, follow me. Now, to really appreciate what's happening, you have to go back up into the text a little bit because Jesus gives healing to a person who has a disease to suggest that he has power over sickness. Then there is, there is one to suggest that uh, there are these men who they bring their friend who is a paralytic and they tear open the roof and they drop him down. It is in that particular set of verses that Jesus teaches that he has power over sin. And in this particular series of verses, he teaches that he has power over systems because the systemic problem in the text is that Levi is a Jew ethnically he's a Jew but he is now employed by the Roman government and he's employed as a tax collector now tax collectors if you know anything about them they are known for their unscrupulous practices Tax collectors in this day, they could, they, the Roman government would require a certain amount, but the tax collectors could charge above and beyond whatever that amount was. Now, to not to unjustly impose upon the text, it does not say that Matthew had these same unscrupulous practices. But what the text does suggest, he's guilty by association. You cannot do something, but if you hang around the wrong people... You can be guilty by association. So, so you have to see this man is in the tax booth. So being in a tax booth as a tax collector, he has this, this characterization that he's connected with because of the companions in his field of labor. But what's interesting is Jesus is passing by. And the Bible says Jesus notices Levi. So I want to point out a few things. First of all, we see in verse 27, it's the call. In verse 28, uh, we see the commitment. Verse 29, we see the challenge. Verse 30, we see the conflict. Verses 31 and 32, we see the compassion. Notice what happens. It says Jesus is passing by and he notices Levi in the tax booth. Now the Greek connotation of the text would suggest that Jesus 
has a piercing moment where he's looking at Levi and Levi is looking back at him. Levi knows who Jesus is because he's heard of him and he knows about him. So when Jesus stops by the tax booth, you have to understand that Levi has been ostracized by all of those who are part of his ethnic group because they feel like he is some type of turncoat. How could he work for the Roman government and be a Jew? How could he help them oppress us? And you know that that's a big issue. That's a whole, that's a whole different sermon right there. You, you know, he would have been known as like a Ben Carson out there. Somebody just got upset. Like, mm, mm, mm. So, so, so Jesus passes by and Jesus knows the kind of person that he is. He knows the work that he does. He knows who he is connected to. But Jesus sees him and Jesus sovereignly selects him. Now, that should make every one of us shout because before you look condescendingly at Levi and think how in the world could Levi be such a person? How could he be that kind of cantankerous person? How many of us, we've been in a tax booth and the Lord saw us and the Lord didn't allow our past to prevent us from being picked for his providential purpose and plan. Now I know, let me just say it like this, you've been some places that you know you shouldn't have been, you were around some people you know you shouldn't have been around, and if it was based upon you hanging around some people, you never would be where you are right now, but because of God's grace, all of us are grace cases, and being a grace case, it simply means the Lord looked beyond your faults, he saw and supplied your needs, and I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Lord saw me one day, I'm glad that he saw me, and if you understand good theology, it is never us coming to God, but it is the missio day. It is God coming to us. He comes to us. And you want, I, I know we say, I, I found the Lord Jesus in time, but the truth of the matter is no man comes to the Father except the Spirit drags or draws him. You didn't come on your own strength, but it was God coming to you. Even when you hated him, you didn't like him, you didn't want him. He loved you in spite of who you were. He loved you in spite of what you were doing. And then guess what not only did he see you because had he just seen Levi left him there he would have been just like us you know some people see you in your difficult place and they'll leave you there because some people like to see you in a downward place some people like to see you in a difficult place but thanks be unto God our God is not like us when he sees us he reaches out and selects us he says he says follow me now what's intriguing is this Jesus does not say follow me to X, Y, or Z. It's the ambiguity of the Almighty that arrested my attention because Jesus didn't say where we were going. He just says, follow me. And the way in which he uses this linguistically, he says, follow me, and it's used in the sense that there is no end in sight. So when I tell you to follow me, Levi, I'm not saying follow me when it's convenient. I'm not saying follow me part of the way but you've got to follow me until I say well done but what's interesting is we see the call but then you've got to see the commitment in verse 28 in verse 28 it says he left everything he got up and he began following Jesus notice what happens he left everything that sacrifice 
he got up that shifting and he began following Jesus. That settlement. Well, how do you get there? Well, the text says he left everything. Some of us, we can never adequately follow the Almighty because we are attached to too many, too many things and too many people. Some of us can never be all that God would have us to be because we are too attached to folk. We are too attached to people. And the worst part is people that are not going anywhere. And you do understand that sometimes God wants to take you places everybody can't go with you. If, you. if you don't believe me, ask Abraham. Abraham, Abraham will tell you. He says, I'll tell you my story. He says, I was on my way to a mountain because God told me to take my only son Isaac to the mountain of Moriah and to sacrifice my son. Can you imagine Abraham having to slip out of the room and slip out of the, the bed and go and tell Isaac, come on. Because had Sarah heard him getting their only son that they had waited for the promised boy. Can you imagine the consequence of that conversation? So Abraham tells Isaac, come on and go with me. We got to go to the mountain to sacrifice. He takes some of his boys with him and takes them with him. He takes them so far and he says, you stay here while the lad and I go worship and we'll come back. Now that's shouting room right there because he says, you go Stay here while we go and worship and come back. Well, the last time I checked, sacrifice means that he has to kill the sacrifice. Isaac is with him. His, his son is with him. And then Isaac has been with his daddy before. This is not the first sacrificial moment that he's had. So they're walking up the mountain. And can you hear his son? You know how children, they can ask repetitive questions over and over. It's so redundant that you just don't want to answer the question. Can you imagine Isaac saying, uh, Daddy, where are we going? We're going to the mountain of sacrifice. I know that that's where you said that we are going. But I don't see a sacrifice and I don't see any wood. And can you hear Daddy just continually walking? And he says, Daddy, I, I know you're here. Me, daddy, you know my, my daughter have a 12-year-old, and sometimes we'll be riding and she'll be saying, Daddy, what's this? Daddy, what's that? Dad, I said, baby, stop yapping. A few seconds later, Daddy, let me ask you. I said, what, baby? She started talking, we have a conversation. And I can imagine Isaac saying, Daddy, where, where are we going? Where, where are we going? What, what's, what's happening? And he says, Son, God will provide for himself. You gotta hear that. God will provide for himself. A sacrifice. It's not for us. It's for himself. He gets to the mountain and then he starts to put his son and says, Daddy, I don't understand. I, I don't know. What are you doing? He's wrapping him up on the altar. He's binding him to the altar. And he's saying, God will provide. All the whole time, he is binding his son. And Isaac is steady raising the, the query. Daddy, what's happening? Because I don't see a sacrifice. Son, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Can you see Abraham taking out his knife, getting ready to kill his son? And then the angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, hold your hand over there in the thicket. You will see a ram. And I'm simply saying, if you're going to trust God, you've got to be willing to sacrifice everything for God, knowing that God will provide for you. That's where Levi is. Levi does not know where his next blessing is going to come from. But he knows that if I follow Jesus, everything is going to be all right. But then the Bible says he got up. That's shifting. Some of us, we want to follow Jesus, but we don't want to get up and do anything. You can't remain in the same place and follow. Well, Rev, I, I, I want to go with you, but you can't but God. You can't put conjunctions in with God. When God says, go with me, you have to go wherever he tells you to go. And many of us, we need a shifting. We need to move from where we are because if he got up, that means he had to get up from a low place and move. And then he had to go where God was telling him to go. But then he says, and he began to follow him. 
He began to follow him. And the way that that word is in the Greek, it suggests this, that he was following him with no end in sight to suggest wherever you lead me, God, I'm willing to follow you. Wherever you want me to go, I am willing to follow you. But then we get to verse 29. There is the challenge because the Bible says he wants to have a big reception for Jesus. But, but the thing about it is he's just left the tax booth. And if he's just left the tax booth, the only friends that he have are tax collectors and sinners. So if he's going to have this reception, he has to send out invitations to his sinful friends and his tax collector buddies and Jesus and his disciples. Well, Jesus teaches us something valuable about this. He shows us that if you ever have an encounter with Jesus, it ought lead to celebration. And Levi simply says, I want to celebrate the Lord who changed my life. And I want some people that I was usually hanging out with. So guess what? It means you have to remember and you have to reach. Remember and re remember the people you used to hang out with. Because, you know, in the church we have the proclivity that we, we, we'll forget the people that we used to hang out with. Because we want people to believe that who you see now is who we have always been. Well, if the truth of the matter is told, whoever we are sitting in here right now, this is not who we have always been. Some of us, we have some stuff in our past that we pray no one else ever finds out about. We have some people that we were linked up with that we pray nobody but God knows that we were linked up with them but aren't you glad that God doesn't hold your past against you God doesn't hold who you used to hang out against you and many of us need to go back to some of the same places we used to hang out with some of the same people and tell them I met a man named Jesus I met a man that can change your life I met a man that can turn your life around that's what we have to do so what he does is he reaches he remembers and he reaches he brings them to the table the issue is, in verse 20, verse 30, is that the Bible says the Pharisees and the scribes start to grumble about Jesus and his disciples eating and drinking with tax collectors. Now, the issue with that is this. They were not invited to the house but they're worried about what's going on in the house they didn't get an invitation now the, the, what I think could have happened is if tax collectors and sinners were invited perhaps sinners did what sinners do gossip because the only way that they could have known what was going on in the house is somebody had to tell them or they were around the corner peeping trying to see what was going on in the house. So you ever had somebody all up in your business you didn't invite, they, they know all about what's going on in your situation. You haven't told them anything, you, but they know all about your business and don't know anything about your business. That the Pharisees and the scribes, now what's intriguing is the critics were of a religious background. The Pharisees were astute scholars of the law. Astute scholars. They, they knew the law. They knew how to articulate the law. They knew how to teach the law. They knew how to share about the law. And the scribes were those who transcribed the law, but they would also add oral tradition to the law. So what they would do is the part that, that they liked from the Torah, they would, they would write that down, but if it... If it didn't quite explain it like they thought it should have explained it, they would add their part to it. You know, you know how people in the church, they, 
They'll add certain things. And that's not really what it says. We'll, we'll try to add a little bit to it. You know, I, I'm not going to get too. Well, since I'm here, might as well talk about it. I'm from Alabama. That's my home, Alabama. And that, back in the day, my dad would tell me that in order for you to be saved, you had to go by the mourner's bench. You do know the mercy seat. Now, I don't have a problem with that just in the sense because that was of contextual value to us. But that's not what the scripture taught us as how we should be saved. And it's like us taking the mourner's bench in 2019, 2018, 2019, 2020 and saying the only way that you can be saved is if you go by the mourner's bench. That's adding an oral tradition to what the text would say. That's what they were known for. They, they were known for walking around with phylacteries on their head. Phylacteries were scriptures that were written on their, on their head. They had these little boxes with scriptures and they loved this outward appearance of holiness to look holier than everybody else and they are good for condemning people because they knew enough that they could condemn for you know how some people can quote the scripture and tote the scripture and then they can make you feel bad because you don't know it but they don't know how to live it they they they, they've learned it but don't know how to live it you have a lot of people can talk it but they don't walk it you know but they can tell you how bad you are that's the pharisees and the scribes and what they did was the pharisees and the scribes their issue was they didn't approve of the people that Jesus was dealing with but watch this there they made this grumbling which the grumbling suggests they were talking under their voice and they were saying this to the disciples but their issue was not so much with the disciples it was with Jesus you know how some people they don't have an issue with you they have an issue with you but they won't say it to you but they'll say it to someone who's connected to you hopefully that it'll get back to you and it will cause you to say something in the situation that's what they were doing they their problem was with Jesus but they knew that they didn't want to fight with Jesus so they went after his boys you know how some people they won't say nothing to you but they'll say something to your family member they don't say anything to you they'll say something to your homie they don't say anything to you but they'll say something to one of your comrades that's connected to you because they are hoping that it's going to cause you some level of grief but let me tell you this don't you allow people to validate what God is doing in your life and if that were, had been the case Levi would have not done what he was supposed to do because he would have waited on the Pharisees and the scribes to validate who God was at work in his life. Let me tell you, I, I have long been free of people giving me a, a, a validation of who I am. God has made me free in him. If you don't like my shoes, so what? You don't like my clothes, so what? You don't like the way I preach, so what? I ain't do it for you anyway. And I said, ain't. I ain't do it for you. I did not do it for you anyway for those grammarians in him. I ain't do it for you because you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the trouble that I've had. So the reason I'm here is because God has been at work in my life. Can anybody here testify? Folk try to validate you and tell you who you ought to deal with. You don't understand. Jesus dealt with me when I was at my worst state. He looked at me where I was and he put his hands on me. They didn't want, they didn't want them to deal with Jesus. Jesus steps up to the plate. And they, they make this comment to his disciples, but Jesus uses what's known as the Socratic method of response, answering a question with a question. Jesus answers, he says, it is, is it not those who are well who need a physician? He said, but those who are sick. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. Jesus is in essence saying to, to the Pharisees and the scribes, you evidently don't need me because you think you have it all together. You know how some folks say, hey, Reverend Show preached a good sermon for them. He told them today. Rev, you told Rev, you told them today. I told them. Told us. That's how the Pharisees and the scribes were. They they had this, this angle that it was for everybody but them. But Jesus teaches us that doesn't matter how, how low you've fallen, doesn't matter how bad you've been, doesn't matter where you may end up in life. When God has a plan for your life. He knows where to find you. And if all of us would be honest tonight, God found us somewhere. And he didn't find all of us in the church. He didn't find all of us at K Chapel. He didn't find all of us doing what we ought to be doing, but some of us he found in some messed up places. And that's why we come into this room tonight with praise on our lips. And Jesus is the one who makes the difference in our lives. And when I hear what's going on in the text and I hear Jesus saying, I didn't come for those who are so righteous, but I came for those who need some repentance. I saw myself in the text. And when I saw myself in the text, I could say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, for laying your hands on me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you in the room here tonight, but I thank God that Jesus made the difference in my life. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. He did it for me. Yes, he did, because I was a wretch undone. Yes, yes, Lord. And I was uh, just like this man, uh, Levi, because uh, my life was uh, in shambles. But oh, Lord, uh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus showed up. Uh, yes, he did. One Sunday morning in Leeton, Alabama. Yes, Lord, I heard my daddy preaching and the Lord Jesus entered my heart. And since that day, that very hour, he freed my soul with his Holy Ghost power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When I look over my life, see where it is that the Lord has brought me from. I find myself being like the woman in John chapter 4 that Jesus met at Jacob's well. Jesus met that woman at Jacob's well. And when she left her water pot, she went back to her town and said, Come see a man that told me everything about me and I stopped by the night at K Chapel to tell y'all to come see a man named Jesus ooh Lord come see a man tonight he'll change your life is there anybody here can tell somebody see a man named Jesus who is who is who is this man oh 
is this man? His name is uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, is there anybody here tonight uh, know the man named Jesus? Uh, let me tell you the story about this man. Uh, he traveled the Via Dolorosa to a hill called Calvary. He died for me. Yes, he did. Uh, he died. I said he died for me. Uh, but that's not how the story ended. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, they placed him in uh, a grave. Yes, they did. Uh, he stayed there all night. Uh, Friday night. Uh, he stayed there. Yes, he did. Uh, all day Saturday. Uh, he stayed all night Saturday night is there anybody here knows what happened on Sunday morning my Savior my rock got out of a rock and stood on a rock and said all power Yes, sir. All power is in my hand. Is there anybody here tonight? Thank God tonight. He got out of the grave. Yes, he did. So that he could stop by my tax booth situation. He got out of the grave so that he could shift my life. Is there anybody here? Know the man named Jesus. Can you just wave your hand? Say, hallelujah yes lord uh, hallelujah since i laid uh, my burden down uh, i feel better shucks uh, oh lord uh, i feel better since i laid uh, my burden down uh, i've had many ups and uh, i've had many downs uh, but jesus uh, he makes the difference uh, is there anybody here try to man uh, is there anybody here try to man uh, won't he make a way for you uh, won't he do it uh, can you see uh, see uh, Jesus anybody in here tonight can say thank you Jesus trouble in my way I have to cry sometimes mm, so much trouble I have to cry sometimes I lay awake at night but that's alright After a while, Lord, trouble in my way. I have to moan sometimes. Lord, so much trouble. Yes. 
they say it like this. I said, uh, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he all right? I said, uh, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he all right? I said, it ain't but one thing that I did wrong. I stayed in sin just a little too long. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? A band of angels coming for me. I said, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he all right? I said, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? I said, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he, ain't he all right? I said, it's hard in here. It's hard in here. It must be Jesus in the atmosphere. I said, it's hard in here. It's hard in here. It must be Jesus in the atmosphere. I said, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he? Oh, he's all right. Uh. All right. Watch this. Here's what you got to do. You got to give it to him. He will fix you. But you got to give it to him. And, and right now, right now, we're going to give you the opportunity to do just that. Give to him what needs to be fixed. Somebody's soul needs to be saved. Somebody's heart needs to be changed. Somebody's mind needs to be altered and Jesus will fix it. But you got to give it to him. This is what we call the invitation to Christian discipleship. It's what the preacher's been preaching about all night. When Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't tell you where he was going. That's the part you just got to trust him on. You got to trust him and believe that where he is going, you want to be. Good news tonight. If you're here, he's already made the way. By giving his life on Calvary's cross. Then he said this before he left. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you're here tonight and you're ready to make this step into discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, being 
being one of his children. It starts at the altar of sacrifice where you simply say, I'm giving myself to you, O oh God. If you're here tonight, the doors of the church are open. You come right now and we will lead you to Christ. If you just take these few steps, the good news tonight is that he'll meet you there. And we'll meet you here. And we will lead you to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come right now. Give yourself to him. I give. Oh yes, if revival is going to happen, you, you got to start with this step right here. Giving yourself to him. I give. So you can use me. The verse says, here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life. Lord, I'm longing, longing to see your desire. Come on, somebody sing it like you mean it. I give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I give. So you can you give myself Oh hallelujah bless the Lord Oh yes I give So you can use me one more time I Somebody bless the Lord tonight for the word of God. Amen. Were you blessed tonight? Did y'all receive that tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Lord stopped by my tax booth. Amen. Amen. You were in a tax booth too. Amen. It had a different sign on it. Amen. But all of us were in a tax booth of some sort. Amen. And we want a church sign. Bless the Lord in this house. Amen. Come on, let's bless God for the preacher tonight. Thank you, Dr. Davidson. Amen. 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 Tomorrow night, we have one more night. Tomorrow night, services will begin again at 7.15. Do want to remind you that CDs are available. You will check with the uh, media uh, just in the rear of the church. He will get those CDs out to you. Tomorrow night, who's singing? Combined choirs, combined choirs of tomorrow night. God bless you. Combined choirs tomorrow night. We're going to close it out on tomorrow night. Be in prayer for this preacher. Amen. Amen. I believe God is going to continue to use him, but you got to do your part, and that's praying. Amen. 
Amen. God bless you. Good to have you with us tonight, Reverend Sutton. God bless you. Come on, let's bless God for Pastor Sutton tonight from the P. All right. God bless you. Good to have you with us. Any, any other announcements? We're good. God bless you. We're standing then for the benediction. I'm going to let about every eye closed gracious and eternal God our father we say thank you we thank you God for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth God we pray now that you would keep us as we leave this place but never your presence now may the grace of God rest rule and abide with us until we meet again and every child of God said amen look at someone sitting next to you and say neighbor I love you God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it